Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church Podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Our scripture this morning is from Luke 24, 13 through 32. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets... He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's kind of hard to believe that this is the first time since mid-May that we are not up here talking about Genesis. I have loved my time in Genesis, but I will tell you, preaching through Genesis is a bit tricky. Um, Pulling some theology from some of these stories that we've known uh, since we were born, for some of us, uh, is quite the challenge. So I'm relieved to transition into something different this morning. We're in a launch series. Uh, And so for these two weeks, kind of our purpose or goal, as things get into full swing around here in Redeemer, which usually happens as the school year starts, uh, we want you to hear from our staff so you can hear about some of their philosophy of what we're doing in our departments that you, if you're newer, especially around here, can get to hear about all that we have to offer at Redeemer and you 
can kind of choose what to get plugged into as well as how to serve. Uh, and so I have this wonderful opportunity to get to sit uh, with my friend Garland, uh, who is our new uh, pastor of spiritual formation here at Redeemer. And we get to chat about some of those things today. But Garland, you're not really that new around here. You're a new true. pastor of spiritual formation, but uh, you've been here for a while. Uh, tell us about your connection to Redeemer. We have. Um, Dave, uh, my wife, Christy and I have been coming to Redeemer since probably early 1999. Um, we, we moved here from Memphis, Tennessee, and my father and I had a specialty construction company that we sold to an outfit here in Tulsa. And so we moved to Tulsa, but actually uh, Christy was, she wasn't born here, but she was pretty much raised here, graduated from Memorial High School. So she was very, obviously she had family here in Tulsa. So it wasn't, wasn't a huge move uh, as far as coming back here, but we moved here. Both of our boys were born in Memphis and we moved here. And so, yeah, a lot of, you know, my wife, Christy, she's worked at the church for 15 years, retired a couple of years ago. And probably what, she, what she's, she's known for a lot of things. I will tell you, wandering the halls, I come up here and just about every other day, somebody says, man, we really wish Christy was back up here. But uh, one thing Christy is definitely known for is her cookies. So yes. if you've ever never had one of Christy's cookies, really, really good. But uh, she won't give you the recipe. That's the only thing. So, uh, yeah, but, but I'm not really, uh, even though we've been going here 25 years, this is actually my second time to work at Redeemer. From 2004 to 2008, a year after this building was built, I was the director of administration. Uh, so I know a little bit about working at a church. Uh, I have two boys. Uh, a lot of you may know them. Brady, our oldest, uh, lives in Memphis. He's married, and he and his wife, Megan, are expecting their first child and our first grandchild. Big stuff. Ooh. Yep, yep. Our son, our youngest son, Max, uh, he lives in Oklahoma City. So. Well, thank you, sir. You bet. Uh, so what ministries in particular are you uh, kind of overseeing here at Redeemer? What, what things, um, what, what are you responsible for? Yeah. So a lot of them have been talked about this morning. Um, th there's four. Uh, there's men's ministry. There's small groups. We saw the video on that. There's Sunday school. And there's women's ministry. Those, those four are kind of the broad areas of what uh, I'll be responsible for. Men's and women's ministry is pretty self-explanatory. Again, you've heard some of those events uh, today that have been going on. Redeemer's a little bit unique in that we do both small groups and Sunday school. We have four Sunday school classes, one at 8.30, two at 9.30, and one at 11 o'clock. So I would encourage you to check those out sometime if you want some great teaching going on there. But we do have small groups. We won't spend a lot of time on that. We have 29 groups and close to 300 people that are involved in that. So wow. again, one more time, out in the lobby, uh, there's tables out there to find more information about all of those things. But one thing I really want to point out with all of these ministries is the lay leadership. We have close to 35 people. They all have day jobs and they volunteer for leadership in these four areas. And really without them, none of this would get accomplished. It's, you see all that we have going on. That's certainly not all on the staff. Well, when Brandy and I were visiting Redeemer, we could tell uh, that this was a special place. But as I got to roll on staff here, I found that not only do we have an amazing staff that do great ministry around here, but what truly makes you Redeemer unique and special is a strong lay leadership yes. that really maintain the ethos and the culture yes. of this place in ways that I've never seen before. Uh, it's truly tremendous. Now, talking about coming onto staff and, and connecting that, my own story, um, 
when you came on staff, you asked for a change in the title for this position. And we transitioned from being a pastor of adult discipleship, a role that I've held uh, in my tenure here at Redeemer, to now being something called pastor of spiritual formation. And we've gotten to chat about this a lot, but I'd love for everyone here to get to hear about why, why the change? Why was that important to you? You bet, you bet. So for the last 15 years, I've been on a bit of a personal journey reading and learning about this, what was new to me too, this term spiritual formation. There's a ton of authors out there, but in the late 80s and early 90s, there began this discussion in the evangelical community around spiritual formation. And one of the leading voices was a gentleman named Dallas Willard. You may have heard of him, you may have read some of his books. 1998, he published a very famous book called The Divine Conspiracy. But I talked with someone after the, uh, after the first service and she's reading Renovation of the Heart, another great book by Willard. I know you've been reading The Great Omission, yes. uh, which is another great book by Willard. Now, Willard was the head of the philosophy department at USC. Head of the philosophy department, he wasn't just a philosopher, he was head of the philosophy department at USC, but he loved Jesus and he loved the local church. And he coined this term called sin management. Hmm. And he said, the church is overly concerned about sin management. And it's basically this list of things that you're supposed to do and another list of things that you're not supposed to do. And as long as you're good, then you're good with God. Let's just manage our behavior. And what Willard said is, no, this is an inside-out type of thing. And this is not foreign to us. Jesus taught us in Luke 6, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's an inside-out. And so the definition that Willard came up with that I really, really do like is this. Spiritual formation is the transformation of the heart. The heart is being transformed in such a way so that its natural expression are the deeds of Christ done in the power of Christ. The natural expression. Now, I don't know about you, but it is not my natural expression to do the deeds of Christ. It's just not. In fact, the Bible has another way of talking about this, of walking in the flesh versus walking in the Spirit. And I think that's what Willers is talking about here, walking in the Spirit, this natural ex expression. So how does that happen? How does, how does a natural expression come to uh, become the deeds of Christ? One of my favorite stories is the one that Charla read today. And for a moment, I'd like to take a little bit of a detour before we come back to Willard. And I'd like to talk about this story. And as one of my favorite uh, rap artists says, uh, there's levels to it. On this story, there are levels to it. And there's, the, there's what is princess itself. It's the, uh, it's the facts. But as I continue to sit in this story, I see that it's my story too. And what I want you to notice, and you probably already have, is the spiritual formation that took place between the, when they began the journey and when they ended the journey. So just a couple of quick things. Um, first of all, they're walking towards this journey and they're having a discussion about the things that have happened. Jesus is dead. This didn't plan, this didn't work out like we thought it would. We, we thought we would be ruling. We th thought we'd be kicking the Romans out. No, that didn't happen. So what next? And so I think this is kind of my life. I'm walking through life with friends, having a discussion about the things that are happening. And like them, I have a lot of feels about that. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I get confused and frustrated. Um, sometimes I get scared. I, I, gotta, I gotta believe they were kind of scared. They came after Jesus, are they coming after me next? 
Now this next thing is, is the fact that uh, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I can relate to that too. If I think about how I view God, Father, Son, and Spirit, now versus 10 years ago or 20 years ago, it's changed, it's different. I see him more fully. I see him differently and it's as though my eyes were kept from recognizing him. Sometimes I get the feeling that God's saying, you know, you're not quite ready for this yet. I need you to live a little bit more life. And honestly, it's oftentimes through suffering that God shows himself to me. So that's their eyes were kept from recognizing. Now the next one, I love this part. And honestly, we evangelicals do kind of like this part. Beginning with Moses and the prophets. Wow, here Jesus is going for the mind. He's beginning to appeal to their mind. And what I imagine, it's not in the text, but what I imagine is they're walking along and one of them says, well, you know, Jesus, you know, they didn't know it was Jesus, but they said, you know, uh, uh, it says right here in Isaiah, da, 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 da. And he goes, yeah, you're right. That's what it says. But have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about looking at it this way? And I believe that uh, they, uh, Jesus began connecting the dots for them. That was an appeal to their head. So the next part of it is, and they sat down, they broke bread, and then they saw Jesus. This to me is the incarnational part of our relationship with Jesus. This thing we do roughly three times a day to feed this body, this thing if we don't, things are gonna go sideways for us. It's this incarnational thing where we sit down and we break bread. This is the body. Jesus has talked to the mind and now the body breaking bread with them and their eyes see him. So the last couple of things there to note is, is did, not, did not our hearts burn within us? This is a reflection back. And here now they're going deep into their heart and they, are, they definitely got the feels. They're thinking about what did we just live through? So head, body, and heart all interacting with Jesus. And I think this story is a great example of how we are spiritually formed. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or anything well, you wanted to share. I always have thoughts. No, I, I can't enough. help fair myself. Enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Me and too. so Me as, too. as I, I've heard you share about the story, one of the things that really connects with me over this is that uh, Jesus meets them in the ordinary of their everyday. They're, they're doing something very normal, walking on a journey to this new place. And then he reveals himself to them also in something normal. Uh, you alluded to this, the, the breaking of the bread, just eating and fellowshipping together. And what I find so great about this passage is it's communicating about discipleship and formation and these types of things is that think about how much more time we spend in the ordinary versus on a Sunday. And the amount of opportunity that Jesus can work into our lives in the ordinary spaces and how much he can reveal so himself true. to us yes. as we lean into him and get a greater awareness of his presence. It's just a really powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing sure. about some of those things. Sure. So I got one more thing to say about Dillard. Uh, Dillard. Willard, sorry. I got one more. Say he's dead. He's, yeah, he's right. yeah, that's right. One more on Willard. And I'm going to spend just a brief time. These concepts come straight from Dallas Willard. They're, they're not me, but it's three concepts, concepts that Willard says is important and actually necessary for formation to take place. And it's really key to understand it's all formation. And remember, he's a philosopher. He's thinking about the big questions in life. So it's not just spiritual formation, but because he loves Jesus and he loves the local church, he kind of takes it that way. So here's the three elements. Truth, 
practice and community. Truth, practice, and community. We've already talked about truth a little bit. We've read from the Bible. Uh, it is part of our church and our denomination, the authority and what we, how we view the Bible as the Word of God. And Willard, of course, would agree with that. But what he would also say is we need to see Jesus as the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I think this is something to be really pondered about, that somehow the truth embodied within Jesus. That's an incredible statement, an incredible statement that we really need to try to wrap uh, our head and our heart around. So that's truth. We need the truth, but we also need practice. Now, I grew up, I'm old enough, I grew up reading lots of books about spiritual disciplines. You may have heard that too. And if we talk about spiritual dis disciplines, di practices, I'm not going to quibble over that. My point is I like the word practice because it is something so common to us. In fact, it's football season. A Adam was talking to me before the service about taking his son to football practice. We got cheerleading, band, and golf, and all kinds of practice. But this idea of doing things over and over again, that is very instrumental in spiritual formation. You're doing one right here this morning. I don't know if you know that or not, but you are exercising a spiritual practice with your presence. You showed up for church. We do it every, every, every seven days, right? It's a routine that we draw into, and uh, that is a practice. Many different types of practices, but that is one. Finally, community. Community. Truth, practice, community. Now, community here could be getting together and eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. I get that. I, don't, I can't tell you the last time I had Kentucky Fried Chicken. But anyway, eating chicken. But that is a type of community. Uh, look, I, I, I was Southern Baptist growing up, and you couldn't have a, a potluck without Kentucky Fried Chicken. That was just the rule. I just associate community and Kentucky Fried Chicken. So community. So that's not what Willard's talking about. Willard is talking about being heard and being seen because we want to be heard and seen by God. And he does hear us and he does see us. We may not always feel it that way, but, but he does. And how is it that within community we can listen better? We can ask good questions and we can hear one another. And we've come to a safe space where we can express these things that are very deep and inside of us. That's why small groups I can't promote them enough and encourage them enough because that is certainly a community where being heard and being seen can take place. So, Dave, I've got another question for you. I know I've gotten to know you over the last couple of months. Maybe let's not tell them about everything okay. you've gotten to know. Okay, as long as you have months. the same rule, I'm fine, I'm fine. Uh, I, I know that your training and, and, and how you've gotten to the spot that you're in, practice has been a big part of your spiritual formation. So I'd love you to talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Well, I think, and I don't mean anything negative by this statement. I, I think I've grown up as a classic um, evangelical, uh, maybe non-denominational type of Christian, and that's what my background has been. Uh, and then through a series of events, God saw fit to set me in an Anglican seminary. Um, and what was part of learning at an Anglican seminary, whether I liked it or not, I had to go to morning prayer and evening prayer as part of our classes. So the three-hour class was there, and then before that, you had to be there an hour early or stay an hour late for this prayer stuff. Um, and for the longest time, I sat there and went, what the heck am I doing here? Uh, this is so foreign to me. It does not connect with any of the ways that I worship. I don't understand what's going on, and this is just a waste of time. Right. Somewhere around my last year, 
something clicked or shifted or a light bulb went off and I just kind of realized that in some profound ways, uh, morning and evening prayer, the liturgy, some of these disciplines and practices that we leaned into, um, I met the Holy Spirit in Jesus in just ways that I've never met before. It stretched my prayer life, it expanded my thinking, um, it rooted me in a deeper relationship in ways that I, I couldn't have thought. And so I've been profoundly shaped by that experience and I even still do a lot of types of Christian practice in terms of my regular everyday expression of um, connecting with God. Cool. You, you said something interesting there at the end. At the end, you came to see the value of it. How much time did that take? Was that two years, three years? How long did that take? For me, probably two years. Okay. About two, two and a half years before I went, wow, this is really meaningful. I think this is really important for us to understand in this kind of make things quick. It took time, and these practices do take time. So anyway, thanks for sharing that. Well, absolutely. Uh, and so you've gotten to talk about our current ministries, you've set up spiritual formation for us in a really tangible way that I think we can wrap our minds around what you're talking about. Does this mean that you want to make like big changes to the ministries that we have, especially for adult discipleship? Short answer, no, no, I do not want to do wholesale changes. What I would like to do is begin to talk about some of these spiritual formation principles and how can we think of them like a pair of glasses, some lenses that we look through. How can we begin to look at our current ministries and ask ourselves, is spiritual formation taking place? Are hearts being transformed so that their natural expression become the deeds of Christ and the power of Christ? That's the question I want to ask. So no, no wholesale changes. But I want to hearken back to what I said earlier about the lay leadership. Really the first step is I'm going to start having conversation and have already begun conversations with these 35 lay leaders that are over these four ministries about spiritual formation and how we, can we begin to incorporate. It's not going to be this mold that we smash everything down into, but more of a lens that we look through. Well, I love thinking about spiritual formation um, as a lens because I think oftentimes we like to think we come to scripture or worship or all of these communities without lenses, yes. as if we were starting net neutral. Uh, and a mutual friend of ours, uh, Ryan Myers, he said something that I really connected with uh, maybe months ago, but said, you're being formed into something. Yes. And are you aware of your formation? Uh, and so we don't come to the text or to culture or to our life experiences unformed. We're in a formational process, whether we recognize that process or not. Uh, what I love about spiritual formation as our conversations have uh, been talking about them has been so much about like, let's lean into purposeful formation. Yes. Uh, society is going to form us in a certain way. If we don't like what we're going to be formed into, then we must be intentional about a different formational process. And to me, it sounds a lot like that's what you're talking about here. It is. Uh, and I love that. Uh, so what can we expect in the coming months? Well, Right now we're in the early stages, so I, don't, I can't show up on the screen a bunch of things that are going to happen and here's the dates, but I would like to throw out three things that we're going to, I'm going to start working on both with staff and the lay leadership. The first one has to do with teaching. I believe we need to start teaching around this topic a little bit. We've already got great Sunday school classes and small groups. That's a, a great way to introduce teaching, but we also have Sunday night and Wednesday night. What I'd like to do is start introducing some topics along that. We'll be making announcements, but let's say we did a six-week study on the spiritual practices on a Wednesday night, and maybe we did it on Sunday school too, but, but we're trying to introduce some of these, these concepts and approach towards formation within our existing teaching structure.
The second thing I, I really have already started to do is work with Hillary in our children's ministry and also Allison in our family ministry to begin this dialogue of how can we begin to incorporate some of these concepts into uh, our children's and our family ministry. Those conversations are already taking place. And lastly, um, monthly retreats. Now this is something new to me. I grew up, again, Southern Baptist, and when you went on retreat, it was either you were listening to somebody talk or it was kickball or it was constant activity. That is not what I'm talking about. In fact, Jesus models this for us. All time and time again, he goes off into the wilderness and the disciples don't even know where he is, but he's with his father in communion and in, he's praying. Well, that's what, the, that's what I would like to try to start doing as a congregation. Small groups of people, we're not talking big folks, but a monthly rhythm of having a, a monthly retreat uh, in which we set ourselves apart. We have so many distractions, so many distractions. Uh, we need to get disconnected. We need to be quiet. We need to be silent. We need to be still in order to listen and be able to talk with God. So monthly retreat. So those are the three things that I've kind of got kicking around in my head, but more information to come. Those are great. And I, I think um, th there could be the temptation for, say, general evangelicals, uh, like I, I still consider myself that uh, as, as well, but where we think like, oh man, silent retreats or liturgy, all of these things are like for people that are Catholic or Anglican or Lutheran or those that really appreciate a high view of church or liturgy or, or whatever. Um, and what's kind of fun about this, at least for me, is it really captures the ethos of the covenant. The yes. covenant's been leaning into this stuff since Dallas Willard has been writing, really. Uh, and this is kind of a framework of us drawing even closer in discipleship ministries to what the evangelical covenant church has already been doing with its pastors and broadly as a denomination. So I'm just really excited for some of these things that you're bringing forward to us. Yeah. And, and along those lines, I really appreciate you saying that. I brought this book up here this morning uh, to show it to you. You may have heard of it. It's a John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Our small group is going to do that here in the fall. And this is really a great example. Published in 2019, so only four years ago, published in 2019. And it's, uh, he basically has four practices within this book. And it, this would, if you're in a small group, or even if you're just interested in, this is a great example of someone who is taking some of the principles of Willard and put them into a language in a, a practical way. So anyway, I wanted to mention that. Well, I could see as we're explaining some new information or perhaps a different way of thinking about discipleship, uh, that there could be a couple of reactions uh, from uh, members this morning uh, or just want to have additional conversation. Would you be open to something like that? Or is this that moment where we pull the bait and switch and my, my email gets tossed up on the screen no, 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 no. Uh, and all of my contact that's, that's information That's Daniel, Daniel, I don't do that. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't do that to you. Yes, I'm more than happy to talk to anyone about this. It's my email address and my phone number. If, if you have some questions, uh, yes, I would love to talk to you. And if you're, hey, you've been reading some of this. Wow, I've been reading some of this too. I'd love to have that conversation. Well, thank you so much, Garland, for you getting bet. to share with us everything that's on your heart and explain out Thanks. what we can look forward to. I'm very excited. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Um, I, I, as I, we were preparing for this morning, uh, a passage jumped out to me. Uh, it's Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, and I, I'm going to read it for us as a benediction. Uh, but before I do, I want to make sure that we hear it in this context first, um, and then I'll pray it for us. And Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, I think summarizes our conversation well, and it says this, May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, 
that you being rooted and grounded in love, I love that phrase because to me that sounds a lot like formation. Yes. Um, being rooted and grounded, intentional in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. That that rooted and grounding is, and that formation is what is, enables us to experience the length, height and depth of the love of Christ. That surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Um, I think it's just a powerful passage to kind of summarize what we've been talking about this morning. So friends, I'm gonna pray this benediction over you. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. Now, before you go, just a quick reminder about the ministry fair out there. We'd love for you to get connected and plugged in and hear more about what's going on. Go in peace, friends. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected with all that God is doing here at Redeemer, you can visit RedeemerTulsa.org or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Have a blessed week.